Hey everyone, welcome to episode seven of the Carlson Cards podcast, where we interview longtime collectors to learn more about their strategies and ways we can apply them to growing our collection moving forward. If you love cards, if you love talking about cards, if you love learning about cards, then you're going to really enjoy this episode. My guest today is very well known around the hobby. He's the co-creator of Card Ladder and one of the original hobby YouTube content creators that really spent time interviewing collectors just like I'm doing right now. Josh is a very passionate and avid collector of LeBron James, Penny Hardaway, and a few other players. This interview and his cards really speak for themselves, so let's kick it right over to the interview. Welcome everyone to episode 7 of the Carlson Cards podcast. We are joined today by Josh Johnson, otherwise known as Cardboard Chronicles. Um, I'm very excited for this episode, having followed Josh for a long time and you know, really listened to his journey um, you know, throughout the at least past three years that I've been in the hobby. Uh, so very excited to learn from him, ask about his LeBron collection, state of the hobby, what's he excited about, that sort of thing. Uh, so first off, Josh, how are you doing? And obviously very, very grateful you uh, decided to join. So thank you for that. Yeah. Hey, Austin. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I always love joining uh, podcasts and talking hobby. Like, you know, worst case scenario, we just talk about cards for an hour. I could I could never get tired of that. But uh, no, I am excited about your your podcast starting up episode seven. It's off to a great start. Love seeing your cards. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, and one thing I wanted to jump right into, if you don't mind, you said cards. I think we got to share cards right away. Uh, so I I would be remiss if I didn't talk a lot of this podcast with you about your cards. Uh, you linked me your Flickr just to be able to grab um, you know, some of the images and your collection. I mean, first off, very well organized, very high grade, very methodical behind what you're picking up. Um, so kind of a question I had right away here. Um, just a reminder, on YouTube, there's a visual for, you know, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Nobody can see this, but we can describe the cards. Um, but I grabbed a snip of your finest gold run. I think this is 04 to 07. Um, and I enjoy collecting football for the same, you know, same kind of time frame where you got the finest runs, you know, like you guys, Larry Fitzgerald, obviously, you know, you're a fan of um, those kind of guys. Yeah. So what led you to kind of going for the run here? And are you deliberate about the fact of like, Hey, I want to get every card from, you know, LeBron's gold refractors, like that sort of thing. Is that kind of what you targeted or just turned out that way? Yeah, no, I started uh, taking interest in the gold refractors pretty early on. And I had started by just kind of grabbing random ones. I, and the, the 2005 finest, which you could see on the video, uh, I bought that one raw a long time ago. That was one of my earlier ones. And then I graded it with PSA at 10 and it was a pop one at the time. So that was kind of like, kind of got me into the PSA 10 itch. Like I just, at that point, I was like, I kind of want a lot of the, I want a lot of these to be PSA 10 if possible. And I've graded the 2006 finest as a PSA 10 myself and a couple others. I think a couple of Bowman's I've graded PSA 10s, but mostly uh, I'm buying them myself. The gold refractors. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, I've always liked the gold shiny cards. I'm not like a big Panini guy. So I've kind of just stuck to the older ones, the finest Topps Chrome and Bowman. Uh, I do have all of the finest except the XRC, which I, I'm not like a fan of that card anyways. It's like he's wearing the suit. I know some, I know a lot of people like it. I just don't. So I don't have that one, but I have all the other finest ones. And I have all the Topps Chrome golds and I'm two away on Bowman. But I just sort of started going after them all like in the last few months because i've just i'm so close you know like i just i just keep picking them up and then i've upgraded grades over time like i had a 2007 finest as a psa 9 and then a 10 came up for auction so i like sold the nine once i won the auction 
So I am looking to get the highest grade possible. It, it's impossible to get all 10s because there's no 10 for like 2006 Chrome or 2006 Bowman. I think Finest has a PSA 10 for every year, but I don't have the rookie in a PSA 10. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's possible for me to get all 10s, but that would be nice. Where do you, um, following that train of thought, where do you gauge the sense of like, okay, you know, it's a card. These are, these are all at a 50 or do they vary by year? I should ask that first. They vary by year. Um, like on the screen here, the 2004 finest is at a 15. Okay. Wow. 2005 okay. is at a 39. A lot, most of them, I'd say 50. If like, if you had to guess, most of them are 50. 2007 finest is at a 25. Most of the chromes are at a 50. Uh, 2005 Chrome 1952 style uh, is at a 25. So it's kind of random, but mm -hmm. mostly mostly 50 if, if you weren't sure. Okay, yeah, I, I should ask that right away. Like I said, because I know football is like pretty consistently 50 mm -hmm. or 49, and there's like, I think, 125, although 02. But uh, what I was going to ask on this, though, uh, you mentioned kind of going after the high grade. Um, do you feel like that's for you kind of a... I'll put it this way, like a luxury. Now that you've had the cards, you have the nines. Um, now your kind of next adventure is to go after the tens. Is that kind of why that is? Or um, I guess where I'm going with this is right. Like someone like myself or other collectors listening, sometimes it's hard to justify the, you know, three or four X price difference. I don't know what it would be for nine to 10 mm -hmm. on these. Um, how do you battle that? Like, are you looking at the card? You know, if you see a minor flaw, are you saying, no, I don't want the 10. Cause I, you know, subjectivity of grading, like kind yeah. of a, a broad question but just would love to hear your mindset kind of on the grading factor especially considering these cards are so rare by themselves yeah um well like with the prism stuff like prism gold at a 10 you know I, I don't think you can be as picky about getting all psa 10 but with the stuff being at a 25 and 50 it kind of gives me that extra layer of you know like the hunt and the rarity um it is pretty difficult to get all these like you said without the grading is, is pretty it would be pretty hard to do even if you just did like all bgs a5s and stuff it would be hard to do uh but the psa 10 you know i've been doing this for so long that i'm, I'm just sort of like inventing new ways to like recollect these cards <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so the psa 10 chase has just kind of like been born out of that i am i am kind of a grading snob to be honest with you like uh i probably would more lean into the grade than like oh, this card looks nicer as a nine than a 10. I know that that's like great by the card, not the grade. I get that. Uh, but for me, like now that I have all these PSA cards, you know, in the registry and stuff, I am kind of a snob about trying to get tens. I was going to ask if some part of that ties the registry. I've had a lot of fun with that too. And it always does. It's funny. I'm the same way. It bothers me when I have like five yeah. tens in a row and then there's that one nine and then I have two more ten. you know, for a run like this. So, so the registry does play a part in it for you then? Yeah. I mean, I've seen your Instagram. You you do it similar to me where you've got like the front and back scans. Like it's very organized. You try to stick with, you try to get PSA 10s if you can. Like I, I'm kind of in that same boat as you. So I think you're kind of catching on to, you know, why I'm doing it. It's probably the same reason for yourself. Yeah. And I think um, I got to give Nat credit for that. I think I loved the way he did it. And obviously yourself as well. But Nat was the one who like, I would see his like, um, his, uh, what do you call it? Like, here's eight cards of this player. And then it's like, okay, every single one's insane. They're scanned just like that. So that was always um, where I got it from. Um, so so speaking of that, I, I was going to ask, we touched, talked a little bit um, before we started uh, just about the fact that, you know, you obviously, for those who aren't aware, um, you are the co-creator of Card Ladder, um, which I use for tracking. I, I love to share and shout you guys out because truly not a sponsor, just, you know, I love the product. Um, What's that whole thing been like being from somebody who started this from nothing 
Um, you know, you saw a niche in the hobby and then now you're, I guess I'll put it this way. You're kicking it with the big shots here, basically at this point, right? Like what's that like? And we'll obviously get to the exquisite after this, but I just want to ask that while you kind of brought it up there. Sure. Well, appreciate you using Carlotte. I'm glad you like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been in the hobby now for like seven years and I've been doing, um, you know, website development tech stuff, uh, professionally for about 12 or 13 years now. So really my background is in web development, building websites, apps, like all that kind of stuff. And I've been pretty successful at it at several companies, worked for Amazon, GoDaddy, uh, Garmin, Watches. So like I've worked for some big companies. I am uh, fairly skilled in that area. So I, I kind of had that plus cards. Like there wasn't really a lot of tech development going on in the card space. So like I kind of had an advantage, I guess, in that in that world. So being able to build an app wasn't, you know, wasn't too difficult. It's pretty, it's in my wheelhouse. I was already doing it. And then I was lucky enough to be working for a company where they were really big on, um, help letting people that work there, like kind of grow on the side and like work on their own projects and stuff. So I was pretty upfront with them. Like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this card thing. I'm building this app with a friend. Um, I, you know, I think it might go somewhere and they were very helpful in like reducing my hours and kind of letting me do both at the same time. And then, um, shifted over to it full time once it made sense for me and Chris and Christina. Uh, so as far as like with the big wigs, I think was that your, was that your, it was kind of, I was just joking, but like truly, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I work in te well tech, I guess you'd call it as well. Automotive industry, engineering background. Um, but I just find it interesting as someone who's like, has an interest in entrepreneurship, like you start something from scratch and you were legitimate before then, but like you're heavily legitimized yeah. when you're bought by PSA. Like what's that thing like, what's that kind of yeah. thing like being, um, again, coming from kind of humble beginnings of developing the app? Yeah. Um, well, I just like building stuff. I mean, as an engineer, I just, I really like, I like cards. I like building stuff. So like the project itself kind of started just from, I wanted to build a website around what we were doing and it was kind of fun. And then it just kind of grew over time. And then the subscription, you know, revenue made sense where it lined up with potentially being acquired. I I was friends with Nat beforehand. So like he, he kind of already was like watching what was going on. So, um, I mean, honestly, like the Cardboard Chronicles, what, what kind of what you're doing here is what sort of like evolves you into knowing more people in the space, networking and and meeting some of the people that work at these companies. So, you know, once we launched Card Ladder, it was, it was kind of already... People already knew me from, you know, the interviews. People knew Chris from his show. We've been doing crossover for a, for a little while. So, um, you know, I think, you know, working on something for a really long time, like we have seven years building up to this, uh, I think is the, is the way to do it. You know, you got to really, really be involved in it. You got to spend a lot of hours on it. You got to, you got to have a lot of skill. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, the, this like pandemic boom thing created like these, mini bubbles of entrepreneurs that thought they could just come in and get rich, you know, within a month's time of work. And, you know, my perspective was it takes a lot longer to build up to something like that. And you got to be more patient and you got to, you know, practice for a really long time to kind of get to that point. So I think that's uh, all in there. So you're not a, not a fact, or you're not a supporter of the get rich quick mentality. I take it. That's good. <laughs> Very good. No, I mean, I mean, you, if you're in tech, you know, this Can't just be. as well as I do, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of like politics and middle management and like stuff kind of moving slow. So I've seen a lot of that for a long time already. And I know, you know, the people that do the hard work are the ones that end up getting rewarded and kind of moving up over time. So I know already, 
And you can't just like in the, in the regular employment working world of 10 years ago, pre-entrepreneur crypto boom, like you had to actually work hard. So I still, I come from like, you have to work really hard and you have to build things and like prove it, you know? You have to provide something that's actually useful to somebody. Right. Maybe that's it too. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good starting point. Build something that people actually want. And if they don't want it, then, you know, you kind of fail at it and move on and go to the next thing. Yeah, learn something. Um, so when it comes to success, I'll kick back over to your photo here. Um, you know, obviously I've, again, followed you for a while, really enjoyed seeing your growth. And um, one that really stuck out to me, and, you know, I have pictures of some different LeBron exquisite cards here. Um, I, I think what really I caught on to, not that you weren't savvy, but I, I knew right away when you talked about, you know, during that boom, how everything didn't make sense, right? I think you sold an exquisite at a time point where the money just, it made sense to sell it for you. And then now it seems like you're going back and acquiring a ton of these. I saw you post today, um, even that you're look, looking for more exquisite cards. Um, so I want to just touch on maybe that mindset. If you could share a little bit, like, what was that journey? Like, did you always plan to collect cool cards? There'd be a big boom. You unload, like you mm -hmm. sell one. Now you go back and buy a ton way cheaper. Like obviously dream scenario. There's no way to know that was going to happen. But what, what's kind of the mindset there that maybe the rest of us can learn from if this, you know, maybe happens again or just through our collecting in the future? Yeah. No, I would love to take credit for being some like investing card genius that, <laughs> you know, saw this coming seven years ago and spent all of his money. But if I was that smart, I would have bought, there was a 2003 ultimate LeBron logo man, one of one rookie that sold when I first joined the hobby for like 300 grand. And I remember looking at the auction being like, sell your house and buy it. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. So like, if I had actual savvy, I would have bought that one. Um, no, I mean, really, it just came from like, I enjoyed the cards. I had a income from my job and I sort of just, you know, had money that I would save first uh, into my, you know, boring financial accounts. And then I would have leftovers and I would buy cards. And that was pretty much how I did it for, you know, four to five years. And so I kind of already had a comfortable space at what, you know, I was willing to pay for certain cards um, just mm -hmm. based on that, that history. So I, I haven't really changed that since as sure. Like, you know, with the boom of the market, selling some of those cards, I had more money to be able to buy other things. So like it's changed over time, you know, sort of like the, uh, the range of values I'm willing to take on. Um, but it really just kind of depends on where the market is at the time. So like when the market went way, way up, I was more selling stuff because it just, I could like sell stuff that I wasn't, you know, super excited about knowing I could get back later. And then when the prices came down, now it's kind of back in that range that I'm comfortable with again. That's why you see me buying. It has nothing really to do with like, I don't, I have no idea if this stuff's going to mm -hmm. keep going down over the next year. It could recover and go back up. I have no idea. I just know like how much money I make with my daily job. And then, you know, I use that a percentage of that to buy sports cards. And I feel like that sort of like basic mathematical logic has gotten away from people in terms of like you're, you're trying to like time the market. You're trying to like be a savvy investor. I get all that. But really for me, it more is just a hobby. Uh, so like I'm, I'm actually just like collecting these cards for fun and it's not my day job. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I just gotta say, I, I love that. I was hoping that was going to be your response because to me, that seemed like the only logical way to go about this, right? Like you said, you kind of, uh, you kind of work your day job, you know, whatever we're all earning, you, you invest for retirement, you know, so your family's got a future, um, you know, the extra you come in here, you find your gauge and then 
what do you enjoy collecting? And I'd imagine, you know, to your point, like you said, you treat it like a hobby. Me too. You know, that's been way more fun when I just actually started collecting. I mean, my God, what a surprise. Um, but what I was going to ask there too, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of getting a gauge for what you're willing to pay for stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm kind of, let's say, you know, again, maybe a couple of years ago, buying very common cards, I had no idea what I was doing. Now I starting to acquire ones that, you know, might only sell once a year, that sort of thing. Um, you can't rely on, you know, quote unquote comps all the time. I hate, hate that word sometimes. Yeah. Um, how did you kind of gather and gauge, you know, quote unquote, again, what you're willing to pay for things? Are you looking off of prior sales? Is it just, hey, you know, I'm comfortable owning a LeBron auto for this price, right? It's kind of a bad question, but I'm just curious if you could touch on that part of it a little more. Yeah, um, it's good. I mean the the good answer would be like you know i founded card ladder and it's literally my job to know the <laughs> price of cards but as you stated like this is still a collectible space and the prices of things are still you know not like stocks it's not like a this is exactly what it costs you know it's not like a sticker on a car at a dealership it's it still kind of fluctuates pretty quickly and i would say it's more for me just like a just experience of knowing what I've paid in the past and kind of like where I see the overall market for these specific cards moving. And because I'm so focused on just these two categories of like uh, LeBron, well, I guess it's three, like LeBron gold, LeBron exquisite and Hardaway nineties. And like, you know, I do some other things just to stay active, but those are kind of my three primary focuses because it's so narrow. I just like, kind of basically memorize like what all that stuff is worth. Like I see something and I could just kind of rattle off what I think it's worth at any given time. And I've, you know, paid attention to what sells, you know, that I own or like similar cards that I'm, that I own, I see what they sell for. So I kind of just know based on experience where it's moving and not just like today, but historically I, I know like where they peaked at the boom. And a lot of these like peaked so high which is looking back on like the 20 mid 2021 to 2022 height is like bananas i can't believe i would i wasn't buying stuff a lot of that i mean there's a couple i bought you know overpriced like everybody but a lot of them was like man i would never have paid 50 grand for some of these you know it's like it's crazy to look back on it um but i would just say like experience you know knowing kind of memorizing these markets i'm, I'm sure it's the same for you austin with like specific cards you just kind of see it and know at this point yeah, no, I uh, I would totally agree with you there, especially like I said, I'm probably obviously much more football focused, but um, you know, because I've had to hunt down a 2002 finest gold Peyton Manning, I have a very good idea what I would pay for a Randy Moss, you know, right? Like I, it's just, and I guess uh, you know, a, a couple questions back, and the one I just asked you, like you said, this isn't, it's not really a skill, it's not an exact science, but I would say, at least my perspective and listening to you here. The skill is having the gut, you know, you yeah. know what, you know what to gauge stuff with. And so if you're at a national and there's no reception, you know, people are going to be running, like <laughs> running into each other with their heads cut off. And Josh, you know, you're over here, like yeah. you see a LeBron you want, you know what you're willing to pay, which I think is really incredible. And obviously hopefully a good takeaway for everyone listening, like just learn the, learn the market you're interested in. I think, I guess that's what I would take away from kind of what you just said. I think if I'm looking through my cards, I basically have like everything here um like every single one of these i look at um they're all like pretty rare especially with the combo of the grade and it would be hard to it would be really really hard to go back and just like go on ebay and find all these i don't think any of these are just sitting on ebay right now so when something does come up that i own like looking back on the stories most of them are like there's no comps uh 
I know how I know how often I see that card, and if this was the first time I've seen it in a couple of years, I just sort of like pay what the seller wants. <laughs> Maybe like finagle a few percentage points to just to just because you know that's how like humans are with deal making and stuff. Like we all love that part of it, but for the most part, it's like there's one today. You know, I won't say what it is because I I finished another set today, but it came up on Facebook. Someone messaged me. He's like, this is what I'm looking for. I've I haven't seen one of the one of these cards sell, and I think there's only like two public sales in Card Letter. And he set a price, and I was like uh, a little bit lower, and made the deal. So like, wow. it, a lot of it is you just gotta kind of overpay for some of these because you just don't see it. Like you know, pop two PSA ten gold refractor. Like the seller could just be like, yeah, just go get the other one. Oh wait, you can't because <laughs> you don't even know where it is. So you know, I just buy it. The, the funny thing about that too, and I actually you know, I really like what you're saying here is because, um, you know, these auctions are a great luxury. You know, you kind of assume the card's going to end at what yourself and at least another person are interested in. But mm -hmm. I think maybe what I've learned the last couple of years, that isn't always the case, right? I saw Peyton 2012 Prism Gold end on PWC two weeks ago. Now it's on eBay for two and a half price. Like it's not, to me, that's not a person who probably wants to own the card, which is interesting. Um, but it sounds like the way you've been able to acquire a lot of these has been a way where, um, you know, you meet someone who is a collector, you are the collector, the end user, you're buying at a price you're happy with. I just love the idea of that, I guess is what I'm, just, what I'm saying. It's funny that like when, when you and I describe it in, in words and voice, it sounds so simple. It's like, you're just kind yeah. of buying. I see the price. It makes sense. And I want it and I buy it, you know? So that's kind of, Chris and I always have this like caveman joke. It's like C card, you know, one card by card thing. And I just, I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I just don't hear any content talking about that very simple, you know, mm -hmm. use case. And, and maybe that's just a, uh, maybe that's just a byproduct of sort of, you know, people coming in during the boom and it kind of being more financially driven. But I, I do know a lot of collectors that kind of operate the same way, and they're probably just not as like vocal with content and they're not as active on Instagram and stuff. That's just they just kind of buy it, tuck it away into their PC, and kind of move on, and then. You know, so that's why I love supporting guys like yourself that come in and and want to like talk about it, uh, make content around it. Because this is, to me, this is still like the way you operate in this space that's the most successful. And that's kind of the crazy part is like, you know, we say collect what you like. We say be a collector, and it, you know, I think you're more financially successful that way, anyways. I think you'd be a better investor if you did it that way. So it's kind of a two two part bit of advice, you know. Oh, for sure. I, I appreciate that. And two things kind of off what you just said. It's, I think you hinted at too. Problem is face to face or one on one, like if you and I transact, there's no money being made by anyone else in that. Um, I think maybe that's part of it. And then, um, you know, it's not sexy, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. The other thing I was, I guess, wondering about as you were chatting here, um, you know, you and I obviously overlap a little bit on, you know, Instagram and stuff, but we have very different, I would say, silos that we collect in. Um, you know, I've, thankfully met, I would say a core group of maybe 30 or 40 collectors that I, I'd say feel the same way in that mindset that you just kind of shared. Um, do you have that mm. with like the LeBron thing? Like, have you been able to curate that and have these, you know, group of guys that are, or gals, of course, too, that, um, you know, very easy to work with, you know, who to go to, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. I mean, anytime a card comes up, I'll usually ping like two or three people just to, you know, have a sounding board on what price should be. And, you know, have you seen this card recently or is this, you know, am I right in stumbling upon something that hasn't sold in a really long time or are we sort of thinking the same thing? So yeah, for sure. You have that small group. Um, and it's evolved over the years, you know, like 
some people have, have left and come back and some people have joined during the boom when they were excited and kind of wanted to jump in and then have left. So, you know, it obviously moves around a bit, but um, you definitely need that group. And that's kind of what got me into the content space. And I'll let you, you know, speak for yourself. And if that's what got you in content was like, I just feel like there was a lot of people thinking the same thing and kind of operating in a similar fashion. And we all kind of spoke about it. Uh, but there wasn't like anywhere where I could listen to people talk about it on video. So that's kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the factor in starting the show and listening to other people's stories about why they collect. And it's usually pretty similar to my reason. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I totally agree. Actually, like my thing was, um, there's a handful, including you guys, you know, Brad, obviously other podcasts too, but, um, of folks where I don't feel like I'm being sold something. It's just, mm. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a surprise. You can just talk about cards and there doesn't need to be anyone else involved. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that's not more common, but it isn't. So that's, um, you know, part of why I started doing these more long, you know, form, you know, interviews kind of again, and obviously inspired by you definitely to some extent, um, which is cool. And then, you know, originally YouTube as well, it was just like, I can't even watch PSA reveals without feeling like this person's trying to sell me their 30 crap cards. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you know, no offense. There's some great guys on here. Elite Co. 3 does a good job, but um, yeah. Especially when your stuff is so specific. Like you're looking for something so specific. And if someone's messaging like, hey, do you want to buy this random Peyton Manning? And you're like, <laughs> not really. I mean, I it's not even close to my wheelhouse. It's technically the same player, but that's about it, you know? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, it, it's funny. Everyone thinks just because, um, you know, no harm to anybody. It's just, everyone's not knowledgeable as much in certain areas, but it's like, you know, to you too, I bet you get people who come up to you and assume because you like tops, Chrome tops, finest. Oh, he must want a monopoly prism yeah. gold from this year, right. you know? And I, I get that quite a bit too. I'm sure you are in the same boat there. Yeah. The, the Panini gold prism run is very tempting and i've been like semi pulled into it a few times but then i remember that the 2012 exists and i'm like god i can't start collecting <laughs> these knowing that the 2012 is like i won't say impossible but i know we're like six of the 10 are and they're not going anywhere and the other four are with you know probably with people that want to sell it for a million dollars so i just you know i just i have to like kind of stop before i start you know <laughs> Yeah. So one thing I've gathered from you already, again, I, we had, you and I had never, never talked before this, but I've already gathered you're kind of like me where you're, um, I don't want to call you OCD. I don't know if that's yeah. proper to say that, but like, no, it's the I, right okay, yeah. the right word. Okay. Like I, yeah, I'm the same way. If I know I can't get a certain card in the run, I, I, I will never even try it. <laughs> There's no point. If I get yeah. nine of 10, it's going to bother me. That 10th isn't sitting there. Yeah. Uh, there's, I only need two more Bowman golds to have Top Scrum Finest and Bowman, and both of them are out of 50. I know, and one of them's the rookie. Like, I that card sells all the time. So it's just a matter of like swallowing my pain and just, you know, buying it at the price that it is. Uh, and then the 2006, I think, is the other one I need. And there's no PSA 10. So, like, that's why I don't have one because I'm like, do I really want to buy a, you know, BGS 9 and just sort of like have that or do I settle? I don't know. So. Yeah, you you have the luxury of being patient with which exactly you exactly. Whereas twenty twelve, it's like twenty twelve prism gold. It's like just give up. There's no <laughs> way. And I don't know if there's if you've done any of the prism stuff, but like mm -hmm. 
out of 10 is a lot harder to get than out of 50. Let me put it that way. I've, I've told myself many times now, okay, I'm just going to buy the 2013 select gold and just the 2012 <laughs> exists, but I'm probably not going to get that for a while. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm thinking. But um, so quick question too, while we have, again, these exquisites have been teasing everyone who's going to watch this for how long here. Um, I was wondering if you could give me a high level of, uh, let's put it this way. I, I'm familiar with the set. I'm sure a lot of folks are very mm -hmm. iconic. Um, you know, one of the best, I would assume, of game use patches and autographs that have ever been created. Um, my question to you is, as someone who's now going after these, what drives rarity and desirability in these sets? So I get like finest, right? It's going to be numbering and the design of the card. I get that, right? That's going to be your variation. The patches and autos just seems like there's so much differences here. So I just yeah. love to understand what kind of drives, again, the desirability of this set specifically and, you know, be between years, between cards, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, if you if you go back to the 2003 when Exquisite first came out, it was it was a pretty big deal at the time. It was the first sort of like premier expensive uh, you know, box that was presented in a way that was like, this is going to be just a few cards in a pack. You know, it was very different from the traditional, you know, 10 cards in a pack, pack odds. Like, you know, it was, it was a pretty big shift and the price was really, really high. I think they came out at $500 retail, which was a lot back then, you know, cause you could buy a tops Chrome and metal universe for 50 bucks or whatever. So that was kind of crazy. So starting from that point, like exquisite really, has like a really strong community of people that are latching on to that 2003, you know, start of it. And obviously like launching off of LeBron's rookie year, him being an exclusive with upper deck, Michael Jordan being an exclusive with upper deck. It has sort of these like little things that make it really, really sought after. And it was always, when I started collecting, I was more into the gold refractors and the Penny Hardaway stuff. But every show that I was at, all the people that were in sort of that space of high-end basketball always kept talking to me about Exquisite. Like, you just kept seeing it. Like, the LeBron RPA was always, like, front and center. Uh, you know, some of these rare, like, limited logos were always spoken in really high regard. So you, you kind of couldn't help but notice it. And so getting back to your question, I think you start to pick up on the quality of the patch and the quality of the autograph as a big differentiator. The grade is much less important on those cards than the gold refractors because they're a lot harder to keep in pristine condition. They're, they're very thick cards. They came out of the box like with white corners and white edges just because they're so thick and, and like softer, right? They're harder to harder to keep pristine and like, you know, I have to get the thicker, you have to get the thicker um, one touches and you have to get like specific grading slabs. It's, it's just like, a, you're just going to have to deal with like condition being bad. So, you just kind of focus on the patches and the autographs. And I'm like super picky about that. So like with the gold refractors, I'm picky on getting PSA 10s with the patches and the autos. If it's not like near perfect autograph, I just don't even care because there's a, there's a ton of them that I've seen over the years where the autograph is just completely like almost off the card. You know, it's like faded so bad. It's been, it's been out in the light and that shows for years and it's like, yeah, gross. Uh, Can and then I ask a quick one... question on that, yeah, sure. Josh? Sorry, not sure. to interrupt. Just quick question on that. Um, so you mentioned there's faded autographs in existence, and you're obviously sounds like again cut from the same cloth. Specific and picky about what we go after. Um, does do people like let's say uneducated buyers in this market do they do they value that as well on the autos? I shouldn't say uneducated, right? Maybe they don't care, but um, mm -hmm. do they value it as well? Like, are these auctions on cards that? 
don't have a great auto, do they end significantly lower? Or do people just look at the grade and don't really care? Um, the autographs definitely end higher, but I've seen, especially during this like two year window of the boom, I was seeing the higher grades be the primary factor on those cards. And that wasn't my experience. So that, that spoke to me about inexperience of just like, you know, people coming into the space, having a lot of money to, to spend on the hobby, to try to, to try to capitalize on the growth. And they would just like, okay, just buy the highest grade. And that's what they've been told, you know, buy the highest grade Mickey Manly you can. It probably applies to everything. So just buy the, you know, the PSA. I would see like a PSA 10 exquisite LeBron with a, just a terrible autograph go for higher than a perfect autograph and a better patch. That didn't make any sense to me. Uh, just based on like my knowledge and experience of what people in the community actually want, which is like the patches and the autographs. Perfect. I appreciate that. That's exactly what I was wondering about. Cause again, lack of experience with this, but that makes sense to me. Um, could you touch on a little bit? I just, one more thing I was curious on uh, between oh. years, right? So I get to Oh three is going to be the biggest, I would assume Oh four probably also good because it's second year of it. I don't know if that matters at all. Um, but be, beyond that, uh, what's the difference between the different years? Is there certain sets that are more iconic or more mm -hmm. desired? Yep. Um, I have a few examples, but like 2000, three for sure you know like the rookie year stuff people obviously really like that the rpas i'm holding the 2003 limited logos lebron that's insane. But also <laughs> also people really like 2009 and i have a couple here okay uh so this is 2009 noble nameplates and 2009 number pieces lebron and the reason people like these is they are redesigns of 2003 uh but they kind of like I would say they improved the design on them quite a bit. Like they got more crisp photos, a little bit more hollow foil incorporated, nicer patches. Like they just sort of like doubled down on the original designs and improved upon them. So people really are drawn towards 2009, I think for that reason. And they're like lower serial prints because uh, Upper Deck was losing a license and they didn't have as many patches. So they just kind of like scrambled together. And like this one's out of... 18 which is like completely random like it makes no sense there's like a limited logos out of 16 it makes it makes no sense uh but the su the subsets i would say the most popular are probably limited logos um which is the picture you, you had up was all like my limited logos ones and then number pieces is pretty popular noble nameplates there's another one that most people don't like and i would agree it's scripted swatches those have the autographs on the actual jersey or on the patch so they're not on the card. So it kind of makes them a, a little bit less appealing. You know, it's like you're having to like autograph on top of a piece of cloth instead of the card. It's a little bit wonky, uh, but still a very popular set. And yeah, you're right. 2003, wildly more popular. It's the first year. It's LeBron's rookie year, all these reasons. But uh, I kind of like them all. I, like, I'm just kind of going based off of like which ones I think look the coolest. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what drives my gold refractor run. So it's kind of the same thing here. There's a couple... I made a list of every exquisite patch out of LeBron that exists, including all the serial numbers and added them all up. So I, I have like a, a compass to kind of go off of. And there's probably like 10 of them that I just like would never care to own. Whereas the gold refractors, I like most of them. So I might, you know, I just like went to finish it all, but the, the exquisite would be first of all, very challenging to finish, but I'm not sure that I would care to get all of them. Cause a few of them are like, you know, do I want to spend 20 grand on something that's ugly to me? <laughs> yeah, you can go buy a car for that yeah 
Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much again, super insightful and stuff that I know nothing about, but now I do. Um, so that's very good. I'll shift over then, uh, the new image I'll pull up here is your Mount Rushmore. You gave me of the top four cards in your collection. Um, you know, this looks like it could be put on a mountain and be a piece of art. So great, great work there. Um, so I, I was wondering if you again, could just touch on the cards and be sure to describe them if somebody can't see the visual, but, um, you know, wants to understand sure. what we're talking about. So what's that first card there? Yeah, I mean, you just pulling up this image is like giving me all the uh, all the feels or whatever. whatever. <laughs> is that a tear, Josh? Do you have a tear going down your cheek? Everyone yeah, listening, like, just so you know, Josh has a tear going down his cheek right now. I just love cards so much. And just like seeing these four together is like, damn, these are sick. Um, the first one is 97 mil universe, uh, PMG green, Penny Hardaway. Um, I started collecting Penny, um, you know, six, seven years ago. So I've, I've he's always been... A favorite of mine he was my favorite player growing up as a kid uh for for kids that grew up in the 90s they know why you know he was he was kind of seen as like the next jordan he was very highly marketed he had a lot of commercials and shoes so like uh, his career obviously didn't turn out great but there's a lot of nostalgia around him as a as a player so he's always been my favorite from that era and that card is kind of seen as like you know the peak of player collecting for 90s guys so like when I first started collecting Penny, I had a lot of his nice stuff. You know, it, it obviously took a while, but like over time I was seen as like a pretty decent Penny collector, but I didn't have the green. And a lot of the conversations would be like, yeah, you're not really a Penny collector until you get the green PMG. And it's like, God, you know, you're, you hate it, but you're, you know, it's kind of right. Uh, so when I finally got that one, it was, it's a pretty big deal, you know, in my, in that space and that, in that world to be able to get that card. And it's, it's numbered um, six out of a hundred which is my favorite number because it's LeBron and Penny's Olympic Jersey numbers. And now it's LeBron's like primary Jersey number, but I've always had that connection with those two guys. And LeBron actually speaks about Penny being like one of his favorite players as a kid too. So number six is important to me. Six out of a hundred, you know, that's my best Penny Hardaway card for sure. So it sounds like there can only be 10 true Penny Hardaway collectors in the world, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, that's what always kind of bugged me about it is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really have a choice in this matter. If if no one's selling it, then I'm kind of stuck being a you know being a non collector, as you're calling me. So, <laughs> but you know, it's it's kind of a fun little like inside joke with all the '90s guys. No, that's that's amazing. Um, so second card I'm seeing here looks like a very 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 nice LeBron. What do we got here? Yeah, so that's the 2003 Topps Chrome Gold Refractor Rookie, and that one's actually serial numbered one out of fifty. Wow, and I'm guessing a lot of people know about that story. I don't. I don't know if you know about it, Austin. But I. Yeah, I, I don't actually, which is funny. I, I I'd say I'm like I've stepped into your life without you knowing, like for a month <laughs> at a time kidding. for the last couple of years. Right. Uh, I bought this from a couple that lives in Texas, and they bought the card out of a eighty dollar box from Goodwill. What? So they they acquired like an auction on Goodwill's website. For 80 bucks and on the top of the the picture was just like a box and at the top was like some oh three like beckett magazines and like random oh three stuff so they just kind of took a shot opened it up and found a box at the bottom that said that was labeled good cards and they showed it to me <laughs> i i have an interview if you go back and like look it's on my channel but i'll watch uh, that what I'll, I'll i'll get the link from you after this just i'll link that below this uh for anyone who's listening and wants to listen to this as well Yep. And so this was in 2019 that they pulled it out of this box. You know, they freaked out. They filmed themselves. They were all excited. 
and I arranged with them over several Zooms, like, hey, I'll fly out to you guys and I'd like to purchase this from you. And it ended up being like a trade and cash deal, but I bought that in 2019. And I, the one at 50 was just kind of like the icing on top. It's pretty nice. The centering isn't perfect. But that's why it's an eight, but you know, you kind of just at that range of value, you kind of just get what you want, get what you get. So um, I'm imagining this couple is like, you know, I didn't say like middle-aged retired, um, you know, what, what are you trading them? You trade them like sewing machines and used cars. No, 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 like no. what are you trading them? No, they were a younger couple. Okay. They've been buying, <laughs> they've been like flipping and buying cards on eBay for a little while. Okay. So, okay. That makes sense. So you'd trade them some cards. Then, the I people think. that they bought it from clearly didn't know what they had because they sent it to Goodwill. I think what happened was the person who had this collection passed away and their family saw the box and just thought like, Oh, this is just junk, you know? So like they put it in Goodwill and that's kind of how that, so the people that own it before them, you know, unfortunately didn't know what they had. Wow. And that's like the opposite story. Usually everyone, it seems like thinks they have a gold mine and then you get the code of cards and it's like nineties <laughs> crap. Like that's, I'm sure that's all of our, everyone listening who's into cards and your family know your, knows you're into cards. That's like the yeah. typical story. Every time they say it to me, I'm, I don't know if you do the same, but I like roll my eyes. Like, yep, I'm sure you do, buddy. Your garage is probably stock full of 52 mantles and you know, all the best stuff. I'm sure. The P and they're always like, when they see the funniest one is like, they see the PMG green penny and they're like, Oh my God, I had that card. It's, it's probably still my garage and they like it's always the base card you know like they just recognize the pattern they don't know i was like was it green like you would know it's pretty like it's pretty green it's like radioactive green they're like no yeah i'm pretty sure it's like no it's probably the base <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean i always i always like i said you have family reached out to you hey i had this collection as a kid and it's like you try your best like i'm so sorry you probably have 20 dollars right here i'm, I'm so sorry <laughs> but um anyways so the third card here, again, we touched on the exquisite. I didn't show this image until now, but I, I, I think you just picked it up. So you you did show this one a second ago. Uh, I bought this. I got this in a trade like three years ago. Uh, so I had a I had a PMG championship, Michael Jordan, that I bought at National 2019. Pretty random. Like, what's this LeBron guy doing with like a Jordan PMG? This is silly. And that's kind of how it was. Like, I bought it knowing that it was going to be trade bait eventually. So I traded that for this card. This is the, and I, you know, looking back, I probably got clobbered on the value. If you look at PMG championship, MJ stuff has greatly outpaced LeBron exquisite, but that's fine. This is a 2009 uh, exquisite number pieces, LeBron at a 23. And the special thing about this one is it's serial numbered one of 23. And on the one of 23 and the 23 of 23, and I think two of 23, he did like a number 23 inscription. So most oh. of them autographs that you'll see on this don't have the number that like the pound symbol in the 23 on the right. They just have the, you know, the rest of it. And then the patches are pretty insane. So this is like a special copy out of that run. And the card, I still don't think has sold publicly even during all this boom. Wow. And, you know, I said I was a big stickler on like the autographs. Uh, so, and this one has like an eight autograph grade, which you're like, you know, blasphemy. How could you do this if you're so picky? If you look at it, it's still like very bright and pretty insane of an autograph. So I kind of just like, you know, settled for the two small streaks that were on LeBron's signature that day. <laughs> um, I was going to ask too, how do you store these? You mentioned, I think if they're in the light, um, it fades it. Is that right? So how do you properly right. store these? They are in uh, the bank. They're not. So you just keep them away metal. from light in general. That's kind of the trick with it. Yes, of course. I was I was joking with Chris on crossover uh if i have a new mail day i have it out you know 
like if it's an autograph, it'll be out on my table and I like to look at it, you know, for like a couple of weeks until I send it off into the vault. But uh, whenever I walk away from it, like if I'm holding it like this, I set mm -hmm. it downward on the table. Oh, okay. See, yeah, because I saw it on the desk. So that's why I thought of that question because you pulled it out. I was like, what is he doing with it right there? Okay, so it's upside down. Yeah, and that's just like a, it's, you know, it's probably silly. Like what's one week in the light going to do? But I don't know. I don't want to find out, you know, so I just turn it over. <laughs> Ask those uh, Kobe refractors. I saw that recently too. There's like one 10 that's like, oh no, BGS 10, that's perfect. The other one's not or something. I don't know. I think those ones are all going to eventually green. That's my theory. Like, I don't even think it's a matter of like people have them in the light more than others. I think they just sort of like it's a ticking time bomb. But in autographs, you could probably make the same claim that like in a hundred years, all these autographs are going to fade. But I haven't seen it as much as like as prevalent as the that tops chrome. So, which is kind of absurd. I don't, we don't have to get into it, but like, what the hell is the science that causes this ink? Because of light, the ink comes out. Like, I don't get the physics there, but that's there okay. was like a pretty decent interview with I think it was like the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know anything about baseball, so I'm not going to give details and make myself look stupid. But they were talking about like the certain types of materials that you keep the memorabilia and the cards inside of to preserve it for like long years. And they had like taken the research done from people that stored like mummy artifacts oh, wow. from like ancient Egypt to keep them preserved. So there's like some science to like the preservation of some of these things. Oh, okay. Well, at least someone's out there doing that work for us. You don't, <laughs> I you don't, don't have to start that, a lab. <laughs> I don't think that same logic has been put into these grading slabs like it's better than nothing but i don't think it's like the the correct type of plastic in a lot of cases well good conversation with nat next time you see him. maybe we can look into that <laughs> those guys are always psa is always innovating on protection like they recently added an inner sleeve that you really can't even see uh i don't think any of these four have it because i but you could like very faintly see it i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but there's like there is now an inner sleeve on psa slabs so is it, it must be a certain tier level, right? Like they don't do that for the bulk service. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a poor guy, Josh. I'm not grading that 250. No, I think it's for no, all, I think it's for all cards. Okay. I think it's I'll like starting with like seven serial numbers. I think, I think they all have it. And like, oh, if you okay. crack one open, you'll be like, wow, there was a sleeve in there. I couldn't even see it. Cause it's very, very thin and, and transparent. So it isn't like Beckett where they're in a sleeve is what, oh, no. okay. okay. It's like laid on the top. It's like literally like oh, placed okay. on top of the card and you can like, you can tell because it's got little like square cutouts in the corners. Like you could see where they sort of like fit it into the slab. Oh, okay. I'll take a look next time I get an order back. Sweet. So your fourth card here. Um, again, I another one I could have included on the prior slide, but I was waiting for this. So what kind of card do we have here? This is my favorite card. This is the 2003 finest gold refractor LeBron rookie. And these are numbered to 25 in a PSA 9 with an old PSA uh, flip. I, I, I'm kind of OCD. I am OCD. I want all like the slabs to be the same, but that one is like so old. And the, the slab itself is like heavier. Do you have it with you? I can, I can turn yeah. this off. You want to share it? Oh, I have it with me. Oops. It is uh, an older slab. That's like very clearly a different type of plastic and everything. So I just kind of like enjoy this one being different. Um, and I was, it took me so long to get one of these. Like it's such a pain. I found a couple and then like kept trying to buy from the person. And then eventually like, I just had to like swallow my pride and like way overpay. <laughs> so I finally got one because I wanted like a nice grade. Nat has a PSA 10 and I've seen it and I hate him for it. <laughs> uh, but the nine was like, um, 
I was very excited to get the nine because I'd seen like an eight five and like a raw. There was a raw on eBay for years that I think ended up grading an eight or an eight five. So to get the nine, I was pretty excited about that. It's in good condition. So um, question two here off of that. So the tops Chrome Gold you just said was out of fifty. The finest out of twenty five. Price point wise, are they similar? Or are the tops Chrome significantly higher? No, they're similar because of that. Like the, the Chrome is uh, more popular, but because the finest is out of twenty five, they sort of offset. Okay. That's interesting. I feel like football, we haven't, I guess I'm trying to think of an example, but like, I know 2008 tops Chrome football, there's a gold that's out of 199. There's a mm -hmm. red that's out of 25. The golds I think sell for more, which is just kind of, I don't know, I think crazy, but it might be a part of the fact that it's a gold card too, but that's good that the LeBron market respects finest, I guess is maybe where I'm going with this. They do. I'd say they're a decent amount cheaper than tops chrome like for if if, if you all, all other things being equal same serial same grade like the tops chrome would outsell it pretty significantly i think um but i don't know i think this finest looks a little bit nicer so maybe there's some of that and they don't sell nearly as often as the tops chrome and you know collectors are trying to get them i don't know all these factors are all you right, going for all the peyton manning finest and tops chrome gold too so yeah i just finished finest well unofficially there's like a year where it's like a jersey card it's not it's not numbered it's a jersey i don't have a single jersey card in my collection so ocd is like i mean yep. it's like a huge struggle do i buy the one patch card or i or do i fully complete my collection i don't know what to do <laughs> but yeah i finished finest the o2 was tricky the 99 was very hard for some reason that's out of 100 but just completed that um and then tops chrome just do not pop up i mean there's certain years that it seems like for some reason they don't like 2010 i think recently one popped up but they go really really high some of these so i just kind of am being patient and they're out of mm -hmm. 50 so it's not like you're looking at a card that's like out of 25 or whatever but yeah it's funny though now like off of this conversation too it's like i finished a lot of what i wanted for peyton so like outside of the 2012 gold you know the rookie really expensive stuff i i kind of just been upgrading grades like you're doing you kind yeah. of invent ways to make it fun for yourself like <laughs> i'll buy a raw copy if i have a nine i'll buy a raw copy again try and grade it okay if i don't get a 10 i'll just sell the nine you know and get some money back and you know hopefully make a little bit too but um yeah it's funny how that goes so is peyton your, your primary or do you have other players that you're collecting too so yeah it's it's peyton um pretty much was the like first guy i dove really hard then it was brady as well and i got a bunch of like combos where i have both of the same cards in the same set you know like then i've i've done this all mostly grading myself because football is really nice nobody ever graded these which is absurd yep. so like you yep. know peyton i'm buying like tops pristine golds and then i'm hitting tens and they're like die cuts and i'm like i don't i can't even believe these are out there and then <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny. That's the difference between Peyton and Brady, but that's my main two. And then, um, very recently I've been diving into like, I think kind of what you did with Todd Gurley, where it's like, I'll just grab these hall of fame guys that I loved watching. Not Gurley isn't hall of fame, but you know what I mean? He's like yeah. hall of fame or fans football legends that I really liked. And like, just pick out sets that I really like, like 2013 gold or like Randy Moss. I just got a 98 Bowman's best atomics. I was really excited about that. Um, still got to find a Peyton, but they're like crazy expensive, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm going now. I told Brat when I talked with him, it's like, I go through like chaos order, chaos order right now is definitely, I mean, we're in like chaos mode, but, um, order will be coming soon. I think. So are we'll you going to be, uh, sorry to like go to my natural tendency and ask questions. That's what I'm used to, but are you right. going for like a, a consolidation move at some point like if you get too much are you like this is annoying i want like one sweet card i'm going to sell 20. so i think what i'm going to do and this is kind of uh 
kind of what I've done so far, I guess, and this aids that is I've like limited myself, like Peyton and Brady, I grab whatever I want or have at least. Um, and then these other players, I'm limiting myself to 10. So like if I get an 11th Randy Moss card, I have to sell one. Um, and with that in mind, like you said, I probably have players now that I'm starting to collect that I'm going to end up consolidating, you know, bring to the national. And then if there's a Brady that I really want or a Peyton or whatever, you know, then maybe trade it up. Maybe I don't need Chris Johnson, even though I really like his, his cards right now, you know. Um, but I'm sure you're the same way where you kind of just pace it and ultimately just like trying to acquire cards that I feel like somebody really wants because I really want. So, I mean, I imagine there's others out there as well. Yeah, no, I've done it the same way. If it doesn't, I have like a bunch of binder stuff. Like I like having a lot of cards and binders, but mm-hmm. stuff that's like graded, I try to keep that limited to like 50 to 60 cards or less. And if I go, if I start going over that because I'm going too hard on a player, uh, I usually like start to look at it and go, God, I have too many. I got to sell like 20 of these and buy one. You know, I, I just always go through that phase over and over. I've done it probably like seven, six or seven times. Yeah. I'm, I'm expecting that. Did you end up doing that with Gurley or do you still have all the, no, no, he's, he's a different, he's just so effing cheap that like, I don't <laughs> even, I just crack them out of the slabs and like put them in top, top loaders. Like I, I have a whole, see this black box up here. That's yeah. like all Todd Gurley top holder, like one-on-ones and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> it's on the shelf you can hang out with them when you want to as well yeah oh i have something for you too before we're done um do you i know sorry i was gonna say i the way i store my cards you said binders i there's like psa binder pages you can buy on ebay i don't know if you've seen that uh i have uh my binders are only for raw i Mm -hmm. i've seen that stuff i like having my because it's it's like basically if i can't carry all my psa slabs i have too many that's like one of my (laughs) i see what you mean if you know what I mean, that's like that's my gauge. So if I can't like get them all in my arms and carry them out of the bank or out of the vault, then like I've got I've got to step back and try something different, or go buy some cargo pants or something, yeah. <laughs> or just like get bigger arms. Maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. work out no, there you go. Um, so Josh, I have a couple like fast five. If you don't mind, I'll ask you five quick questions. These are you know what the hobby wants to know, which means I've said this before, just my wife and I came up with some questions. So, um, <laughs> I hope you like them. Um, so number one, um, finest or tops Chrome. And I lied, actually, some of these came from Instagram. Somebody mentioned this one a bit ago and I didn't get a chance. I haven't had a good guest to ask this to, but you're a good guest to ask this to. So finest or tops Chrome. I'm going to say finest. And this isn't like a finest is undervalued take. This is just like in a vacuum. I think they look better overall. Yeah, I completely agree with you, which is interesting because what other take is there? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if they look better, why aren't they worth the same? But I'm not I, sure. I, yeah, it's the brand stuff. Like yeah. even though Finest is actually older, which Finest came out before Topps Chrome. So I would think the branding is better. But, you know, like the brand of Topps Chrome is kind of more similar to Prism. And it's like, why is Prism better? I don't know. Because the brand, that's, you know, it's just the reason. Yeah, interesting. Um, so another one here, this one might be a little tricky. So if you could only collect game use patches or on card autographs no like cards with both what are you taking if you can only collect one of those and again and i know it's super hard but <laughs> uh autographs i just really like the the contrast of like the bright blue autograph on the paper stock and the okay. patches are cool but i gotta have the autograph is there some part of it where you like feel more connected to the player with the auto versus a patch or that's pretty easy yeah, the- for you the patches, like, I feel like it's a lot easier for them to, like, mass produce patch cards. And I, I feel like I see them more often. And especially now that LeBron doesn't have any licensed autograph cards. Like, to in my in my mind, like, the autograph is always a lot harder to get. 
Good to know. Good intel. Um, so third one here, what card can myself and the viewers listening help you find? Is there any out there that you've been looking for forever? And I can't imagine we're going to find someone um, on here who's going to have the card that you want, but maybe, who knows? Sure. Uh, my number one is the 1997 uh, Gem Master Anthony Hardaway. One of one, right? It's like, yeah. Uh, have you seen it's like I have the regular PMG with me, but it's like a PMG Gem Master version of it's gonna be like the last one. I doesn't, Spinatron, doesn't Spinatron have one of these for somebody really big? I think he has Kobe, okay. And I don't know that the Jordan like realistically exists with anyone we know, and I've mm -hmm. seen a fake of the penny, okay. But it's this card and it looks insane. I, if you pull up, if you just search Gem Masters, you'll see like there's been a few sales. I think the Barkley sold kind of recently and I think Pippin sold semi-recently for a lot. So that would be my number one is that card for Penny. Uh, LeBron, I don't know. 2004 exquisite emblems of endorsements out of 10. One just sold on golden and I, I lost. So I'm very, like it's fresh of mine. I'm really pissed. I was so mad. <laughs> So with that in mind, I'll come up with another one here. What do you do when you're pissed? You might lose an auction. What's your crutch reliever? What are you doing? I immediately message everyone else that I know has a copy and offer them more than I lost the auction for. <laughs> That's a way to make yourself feel better. And they usually say no because they're like, well, it just sold for this. So I'm like, clear in my mind, I'm like, if I offer more, they're just going to say yes. Like, why wouldn't you? And they're like, they're always like, no, because it's, it's usually a card that uh, is like, you know, if, if they sold it to me, they're not getting it back because there's just not enough of them to go around. No, it totally makes sense. Um, and then final question. So this one, again, has been like a favorite. I've had a lot of people ask this one and answer it. So if you could only collect one year of cards across mm -hmm. all sports, what year would that be? And all sets, right? So if you pick, you know, 2003, you get all those cards. But is there any other sets that come to mind? And it can be 03 if it is. Yeah, it's probably 03. Just because like, I think 97 is probably... A more exciting answer uh but i would rather collect lebron than hardaway makes sense well and hardaway is in 032 right but not the same like level of cards yeah, i think he's on like the heat in 03 no that doesn't work for you <laughs> and I, I only collect uh penny hardaway pinstripe jerseys to be specific okay. and he started they switched over to they switched away from the pinstripe jerseys in 99 and that's when his career also kind of started going downhill. And then he like went to the suns and then like the heat and the Knicks and it was like gross. I don't want any of these. So I just stick to like the, the nostalgic pinstripe year, which basically ends up meaning like 97, 98 is all I have. Perfect. And then I guess one thing that just came to mind when you said that, I'll ask you before we hop off here, uh, what's your take on like uh, post playing years cards? Like if LeBron retires, are you going to be a player if they make cool stuff with these new companies and all that? Like, I'm mm. just curious. Cause I haven't, I haven't, I was adamantly stuck against it for Peyton and then, you know, Brady, if they start making more of these other players, but I was just curious what your take is on it. Just from in a general standpoint. Yeah. In general, I'm against it with like some rare exceptions. Like I think the, Michael Jordan exquisite stuff is an exception. If I were to collect MJ, I would probably collect the exquisite. Cause like that set is just, you know, exquisite is just so like special in, in my mind that, and Jordan is kind of, is kind of like the face of it because he has the, the exclusive with upper deck. Like that kind of is the exception to the rule, but LeBron dude, I hope he doesn't sign. 
another exclusive. I don't want more autographs. I don't even own a LeBron card post 2009. Like I don't want, I don't want more supply coming into the market. I want to keep it limited to what I know, which is very like get off my lawn take, but that's fine. No, I, I'm glad you think the same. I'm the same way. That's why, you know, you look at some of these modern players and the price, their autographs. I'm just, I don't know. It just, <laughs> just makes me rub my head. I don't know what to say, but. Are you in the uh, Drake and Brett camp of Peyton Manning's undervalued? Um, It's tough to say, right? Like, like a, In like a playful way. You don't, you don't have to like. Oh, like don't give a full take on it. I would yeah. say no, actually. I'm probably against what they would say. I would say I think he's pretty spot on. Like okay. compared to other players, right? If I can buy Randy Moss for a fourth of him or Drew Brees for an eighth or a fifth in a lot of these sets, I, I think he's not. But that's if you look the other way, if you compare to Brady, then yeah, maybe you'd say he's undervalued. But I don't know. I would say I would say no, but that might be a hot take. He was just like so good. It's just because he didn't win enough rings, I guess. But I was looking at um, Instagram. He has like 500,000 followers, which is a lot, but not really because no. Brady has like 20 million and LeBron has like 150 million. And I thought Manning was more popular than that with, you know, the Manning cast and like his commercials. Maybe, I, maybe I'm like, I'm not understanding why he doesn't have more of a following. I think he gets like the fans of the sport, like people who really watched it. But I think for like the outside people or people who come in like a decade later, I feel like maybe he's a little, you know, undervalued or like, I think maybe it's this way too. People remember too vividly. I think him being in 2015 and can't throw the football very well. I think there's part of that stuck in their head. I really think so. Like Brady, we never saw that and we're never going to really, but yeah. um, you know, like, I don't know. I think there's something to that. Same with Drew Brees, right? Like you remember that last year he was like, it, yeah. it was playing, but like they can only throw short passes and nothing against Breeze. Yeah. Sorry, Drake. Um, but I, I just mean like, I think that sticks in people's head. You remember the end and the beginning. That's like yeah. a psychological thing you always do. So the beginning like was like it. stuff we've never seen from any, like his season. So his statistics were just so insane. Maybe it's, maybe it's cause he doesn't have a liquor. You know, all these guys always have like these <laughs> liquor uh, sponsorships. Like that's what sends them over the edge. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think there's something like that too. He's just too much of a, He's a family man. Like I like that because of it, but like, you know, a lot of yeah. people, I think he's not in the news because of it and stuff. So he's, he's not, like, he's yeah, not sponsored by FTX and then yes. you know, they go out of business and get sued. Like he's not in that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. LeBron is definitely in like the liquor crypto garbage. So I'm like, I wish you didn't, but whatever. Yeah. And then like, it's funny though. Um, and then MJ's made more like Peyton where you don't hear much about him at this point. Like he's, he's just kind of living his life. I would assume. Right. I yeah. don't see too much about him except when he's in a, you know, amazing new documentary or movie or whatever, but he's so good on like TV though, man. He's, he's one, he's probably my favorite, uh, you know, po uh, athlete that's like transitioned into the entertainment business that I find actually be pretty good. Michael Jordan. No Manning. I think he's. Oh, hilarious. sorry. Okay, I took that the wrong. Yeah, no, I no, agree no, with you. I think it's surprising. I don't think I expected it. I don't think most people expected it. Probably. Yeah, he's very funny. But all right, man. Out, out of respect for your time, I I just really appreciate you joining. Um, and again, I like I said, I guess I just in general, I appreciate you joining because you don't have to do this, but the fact that you chose to, I really appreciate. It. I hope people enjoy this episode. Um, and for everyone listening, don't be don't forget. Sorry to follow Josh on Instagram. Um, and tune into the crossover every Friday night on Instagram and then um, also on podcast apps the following day. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. I would I would do this every day if you invited me. So don't <laughs> uh, don't make it seem like I'm super busy and important. I'm not. I'm sitting around looking at cards just like the rest of you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And hopefully we meet up at the national too. Yep. See ya. See ya.